This is episode 178 of the Church Venture Northwest podcast. We're finishing the 2010 Winter Youth Celebration Transformation. This is session seven with Sean Garman. Wow. Killer. That's at the end, you guys. Whoever just said that. Uh, wow. That's so amazing for you who had the courage and the boldness and just felt like God was wanting you to share with the crowd, the family. Um, we came here, you talk about a theme, and we pray, and we open God's Word, and then we hang out with each other, and uh, it's amazing how God blesses that, and I hope that you've been incredibly encouraged. It's been amazing to to be with you guys this week. I've just thoroughly enjoyed it. I love all of the conversations I've been in. I'm just impressed with you, and uh, I'm just grateful to you. So right up front, I just want to say thanks for um, being here and taking the time to get to know God more and each other more. Okay, we've been talking about gospel transformation, and I keep going here because this is where I told that story, and there's an imprint in my mind about death. And uh, we talked about the first step is coming from death to life. And then the next step we talked about was being rooted down and built up in, in your identification with Christ, having your being hidden in Christ. Then the next talk we talked about is taking what happens when uh, bad things, bad circumstances, or even good circumstances are pulling us from the power of who God is. And we talked about good and bad circumstances actually shaping our lives and, and that God actually use that, uses that as a part of our transformation. You can hear that in the stories this morning. Today we're going to talk a little bit about the, that transformation. A lot of that happens within our relationships. Actually, all of it happens within our relationship to God. And a ton of that happens also within our relationships with other believers. And then from there, so you see in the process of us getting up, identifying, rooting down, getting strong, no circumstances holding us down, and we keep moving into relationship, and then eventually we engage in culture, we engage in mission, we start to speak our story, right? The fall, creation, fall, redemption, and restoration, we, we just start to narrow that down. I think there's no better way to talk about the gospel of transformation than unicorns. Maybe you've seen this, this fine piece of work. I really didn't know that this was somebody's. I thought they made this up. But uh, I want to keep this for a little bit. And if you own this, and I think the person's over here, um, you can come get this from me later. But I lost all of you. I just went through the whole thing. I'm like, gospel transformation? There's no greater way to say that than unicorns. And some of you are still going, is he serious? Unicorns? I mean... The one-horned, majestic unicorn? Yeah, I have a story about unicorns, okay? I mean, beat me down, people. I'm just kidding. Um, unicorns, check this out. Um, every couple years, well, every couple years, me and my wife have more kids. We have seven, right? So every couple years, though, when they're little tykes, I'll walk into one of their bedrooms or something, and I'll be looking for them, and you know, you, you tell them to do something like, hey, go, uh, go clean your, your room up. Your Legos are everywhere, brother. And uh, so it, 
at this one point, a lot of times you'll hear the Legos and they're, they're kind of loud and, and they're playing with their toys and you'll hear plastic going everywhere and clunking together. And if they're working, you'll hear movement upstairs. They're upstairs. And uh, every once in a while you'll go, I'll, I'll think, oh, it's too quiet up there. What's going on up there? So uh, this has happened twice in our family of seven kids. I'd come up the stairs and I'm in the doorway and I'm looking and I'm seeing only some of the Legos put away. And I'm like, hmm. Hey, bud. This time it's Moses. We call him Mo. Moses Freedom is his name. Mo Free. Mo? That's his name. I know a lot of people are going to make fun of it, but anyway. Um, Mo? Hey, Mo? And then I'll see him over in the corner. And he's over in the corner. And I'm over at the door, and he's right here doing one of these. And he's going, Mo? Dep, Daddy. Yeah, Daddy? Mo, what are you doing? It doesn't look like you're cleaning Legos. It looks like you need a newspaper or a magazine. (laughs) You're like Grandpa going to the bathroom for a half hour. Mo, what's, what's going on, Mo? Nothing, Daddy. He's got a reverse unicorn. He's doing one of these. He's like, I mean, it's poking out of his pants, right? It's a horn of dookie. And he's doing one of these. What? And he's kind of acting like nothing, but he's trying to walk like this, so I'm not seeing the horn. And I'm like... Dude, I'm a dad. I've seen this before. I'm a human. I've seen this before. Not really often in the pants, but, you know, he's got his reverse unicorn going. And, uh, and I'll, I'll have to drop to his level, and I'll say, hey, bud, come over here. Let's, let's change you. And so I change his diaper, or if he's trying to be potty trained, I change his underwear. It's gnarly, right? But I'm his dad. And when he's walking around in shame, because he's got his reverse unicorn, I can clean all of that up without making him feel bad. And after a while, he builds trust with me to where he'll let me clean up the dirtiest of messes. And he'll trust that he's not in trouble with me, but that I want to clean him up. That I don't want him walking around the house with his reverse unicorn. And your father's that way. And we all act like we don't have reverse unicorns at youth group or at church. But the truth is, is spiritually, we do. If you can imagine everybody with a dookie monster back here in the foyer at church. Hey, what'd you say? Hey, what's going on? Everybody get in the car. We're going to church. It's sin. And sin is worse than poop. Far worse. But we act like our stuff doesn't stink. We act like we weren't laying in a pig pen of unicorn dookies. That God didn't lift us up and bring us and wipe us clean and show us His great pleasure in us because we are purified, that we are white as snow, that we are blameless in His Son, Jesus Christ. And together, we have to begin to notice 
I'm with you even through the stink. We're a community of people that it's okay to bring your reverse unicorn in. This really came in handy. I'm just saying. But we're a community of people and we act like we're not affecting each other. And sometimes when somebody comes up even to confess, it's not a secret to the rest of us. We know that we stink. But there's some crazy, ridiculous thing about God's community and the relationships. We're so timid that somebody's going to find out that we've got a hunkin' dookie out our heart. I know, get over it. Everybody's like, he's still talking about poop. This is 5.3 minutes of poop. Sin. I'm talking about sin. And here's the deal. We are to travel in relationship. And there's a perfect example of that. If you look in Genesis 1, 26, you'll see that we're made in the image of community. And so a lot of times in Portland, when I'm in Portland, people are like, yeah, the word community comes up a lot. Like, it's a cool thing to be a part of community. This is our community garden. This is what we're doing in the community. This is a community event. This is community. Well, where's the greatest community ever? It's called Trinity, where Father, Son, and Holy Spirit reside as one. That's our basis of community. That's our basis of relationship. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit traveling in the vehicle of relationship. Here we are again. But what's in that car? How do they really travel? The vehicle is relationship. And, and the power to that is love. And so in that com perfect community of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in the image we were made, let us make them in our image. It's community transferring and creating community. Here's the problem, you guys. There's no dookie in Trinity. There's no reverse unicorns. There's no offenses. It's perfect harmony. It's total peace with who God is. And in our community, there is. We go, okay, there's this person, this person, this person, this person, but sin destroys our community. That's why it's so important to be repenting, to say, this is my stuff. It brings harmony and peace, but shame and guilt oppresses us. Satan tells us we don't matter. You heard the girl with the winter youth stocking cap that came up here. It's a huge group. She has to speak in some vagueness. But she's speaking about some very specific sins and circumstances and, and ways that she got pushed down the slippery slope into sin. She's saying, I was loved and I was accepted. That's who we are to be as a community. But the truth is, over and over and over again, you can't tell you how many times we've had to talk about this, is as a community, we don't allow certain people in. We don't allow certain people in our lives. First, starting with God. And in John 17, Jesus says, I and the Father are one. And he has this priestly prayer where he's talking about, let's all be one. And Father, my prayer is not just for the ones that he's seen and discipling in that day before he leaves and ascends to heaven and, and goes to the throne where he belongs. He's not just talking about that. He says, for the future ones, that's us. He's saying, I want oneness the way you and I are one. I want them to have this. And if you look at Matthew 3, You'll see that when Jesus is getting baptized, John baptizes him. Jesus comes out of the water. 
And a dove descends on him. And it says it rests on him. There's constant peace and trinity in that community. And God's representing for us the Holy Trinity in that picture as Jesus gets baptized and he comes out of the water and a voice from heaven says, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. Do you know what that is? That's a huge huggy. When Isaac came up here, I bet you missed it. He said basically that he had accepted Christ. And Andy said it right. He says, isn't it cool to welcome new people into the family? That's what's happening as Jesus is standing there. The Holy Spirit comes down and the Father speaks with clarity. His divine will is coming through His Son who is the divine reality and the Holy Spirit is there as the divine power. And God wants to call us into that. Genesis 1. John 17, Matthew 3. I want you to look at those, okay? I'm going quickly because we're kind of putting two sessions into one. But I want you to see the importance of community because that's the way that God travels. That's the way that we're transformed. And until you can share your heart with another person and have them receive that, you're going to be restricted. And some of you are going, I don't know anybody I trust. I'm really not going to show reverse unicorns to anybody. I'm not letting anybody know what's coming out of me and my sin. And until we trust God, we're not going to trust people. And so begin by trusting God. Begin by taking God's holy hug and Jesus saying, let them be one with us. God is calling you into the very relationship that He has. And to pay for it, in order for us to be able to be in that relationship, he agonized on the cross. If you look at Psalm 22, you'll see a picture of somebody in agony. And it's not totally because of the physical agony. It's because we've never experienced a perfect relationship. And Jesus Christ has a perfect relationship with the Father. And he has to, he, that has to be uh, turned off for a little bit, and it puts him in total agony. The agony he experiences most is losing perfect relationship with his father on our behalf. That's how important relationship is. Look up Colossians 3, if you write that down. Colossians 3, around 12 through 16, you'll see this. God not only created us out of community, God's not only asking us to travel by community so that the dynamic can be love and forgiveness, that the dynamic would be kindness and generosity, that the dynamic would be compassion, like, hey, I'm in this with you, man. That God sent His Son to die on the cross so that we would be invited. So when we see the holy huggy that God's giving Jesus when He's baptized and comes out of the water and the Holy Spirit descends upon Him, He's saying, that's for you. In fact, if you identify in Me and you're rooted and built up in Me, that's you standing there. In that daughter, I'm well pleased. In that son, I'm well pleased. You're mine. Come on in the fold. Welcome to the family. You're a holy citizen of My kingdom because My son's the king and you're with Him. You're good with me. And here you are. And many times we go, no, 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 no. I still hit that death thing. I'm still 
I'm, I'm still wearing grave clothes. I still go back here. And he's going, I get it. You're in process. It's called sanctification where God's asking you to step into his presence over and over again. And it's against your flesh. And it's very hard. But God wants to purify you. You must listen to me right now. You do not live in your sinful state because of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. You keep moving and transforming. And everybody starts tripping out around you because you truly begin to change your life and your cadence and your peace changes. And then when you walk with a bunch of people who are changing and loving and gracious towards culture, culture goes, what's up? Well, I used to be a sinner. And now, believe it or not, it sounds like a crazy word. I'm a part of sainthood. My real identity through grace because I was saved and I took a free ride in Jesus Christ like the wave we talked about yesterday. God keeps moving me along. And by his grace and this fortress that he has, I'm on this amazing journey. Can I tell you about the star of the show? Jesus. Can we see ourselves in a dynamic community that has this kind of power? Colossians 3 talks about this kind of people. A dynamic people that have like this cardiac arrest. We've been arrested by the Holy Spirit that it's changing our hearts, that it's flipping our lids open and just dumping in life and amazement and creativity. That's how we get to travel. We shouldn't expect ordinary. We shouldn't expect anything less than an amazing, radical life. And I promise you, God delivers that. You've heard it probably two or three times. Speakers get up here and they're like, I can't believe I'm sitting in front of all these people with these lights on me. It trips a person out to go, oh, I'm going to share my story. You want to know why we know it's God? Because nobody could make up better stories than the one God has for you to be in sync with his story. And so we always have these moments where it's like, I can't believe this is happening, that Jesus has affected me so much that I'm speaking into people's lives. And that's what you're going to get to do. We're the community of people on mission. It's not fair for us to go, isn't this awesome? Remember when I said this, I had the crazy Gucci thing, and I was saying, it's not good enough just to receive life, but we have to walk in it. And here's what we do, you guys. We receive life in Christ, but we walk in it together. And we walk on mission. And it's not okay for us to keep it to ourselves. It's ridiculous, actually. It's not okay just to go, this is me and my relationship with God, and I've got a small bubble called a youth group. Oh, it's so encouraging that three more people came. God's into multiplication. If we were to live radically, we would be speaking and engaging in people's lives. And it's not cheesy at all. I know lots of people are going, it's cheesy. It's herky-jerky. I'm going to walk in and go, hi, have you met Jesus Christ today? He's the Savior of your life. I've got a sticker for you. It's not like that. In fact... Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, it's becoming like the people you're around. It means that you have compassion to the point where you know how to chill with any kind of person. Person who's just smoking dope all of the time and chronic, and you're like, oh, I've always been told not to hang out with those guys. 
Yeah, you can be in relationship with them. Of course, you're not supposed to be in community with them in that respect. But there's a place in community for them and you. And if you say, you know what? Here's my garbage. Here's my unicorn. Here's my piece of sin. Here's where I'm relating with you. We all have common ground. We've all been dead. We've all been knocked out. We've all been punked by Satan. But for some weird reason, when we receive Christ, we get really weird. And people are like, well, this is private. This is my little relationship with Jesus. No, this is a radical, you're on fire, getting purified, and God's putting all the temporary stuff that doesn't matter in this world aside, and you're becoming more and more like his son. Remember we said this, that gospel transformation is the process in which Jesus is revealed all the more. Remember we said this yesterday, that the gospel can't be held by, down by anything, that the gospel is bigger than any circumstance. So if we're to go on mission, I want to give you three things. We're going to leave this room on mission. And the first thing that you've got to remember, and this is going to sound really basic, but if you're a note taker, put one, Jesus' vision. We have to have Jesus' vision, which is the gospel, right? We should have gospel vision and gospel equality when we look at other human beings. That means this. I've got better grades than you. No, don't rise above that person. I don't have as good of grades as you. I'm less than you. Or you're better at this sport. I'm less than you because you're better. No, through the gospel, every single person has an equal spot at the table. Because Trinity travels with gospel equality. And so we're no better or no worse than any other person. And so we look through the grid. We look at this world the way Jesus looks at the world. Because he didn't consider himself, right? He put the big God card down to become fully human. Not forsaking the God card, but he became fully human to become like us. When Paul in 1 Corinthians 9 says, I became like a Jew to, to reach Jews. I became weak. I got in touch with my poor, weak, hard life just so I could reach out to people who were like that. Note to self. Note for you. I don't normally wear hats backwards. Does that make me a poser? No. We're, I want to relate with you. I will do anything. I moved to a neighborhood and got all these tattoos because it's a harder neighborhood. Back then, tattoos weren't as popular. So you get a little tattoo, people are going, oh, yeah, man, it'd be a little bit hard. But you have to meet the people that you're at, relate with them. But not, it's not even nearly as important on the outside as the inside. Relate with them on the inside. Care for your neighbor, your neighbor right now. I have, a, I have crazy neighbors. One of my neighbors doesn't live very intelligently. What you think of your neighbor? Have you ever considered your neighbor? Think about your closest unbelieving neighbor. Have you ever considered them family? future family. Think about who sits next to you in math or science class. Have you ever considered that person family? Future family? Remember my story about a guy who jumps out of the window and he's a crazy boy who eats his bologna sandwich and yells at the top of his lungs, gets on the cafeteria table and gets down? 
Nobody wanted to consider him future family. But to be on mission, we're looking through the lens of the gospel. And point one is that we have the vision of Jesus to seek and save lost, it says in John. And it also says it a few different ways. It says it in the story of Zacchaeus. He says, hey, salvation's come to my house. And Jesus says, because I came to seek and save the lost. Do you have a mission to seek and save lost? How many of you have ever heard of somebody named Kyron Horman? Kyron Horman is an elementary school kid that was kidnapped in this state. And he went to school with some kids at Red Sea at our church. And after he had been gone a while and missing and they couldn't find him, his parents made a big deal of his birthday. Do you know why? To keep reminding the public, our son's gone. Our son is missing. That's the heart of Jesus. That's the vision. There are missing children that belong in the family. Do you have that heart for your neighbor? I thought about three people Three just teenagers that came, came to my mind. I'll call one Josie. Josie's kind of indie. She's eco, green, friendly. She's hyper-politically correct. She gets her feelings hurt easy. She's kind of recluse at times. She goes to the thrift stores, but she, and she wants everything to be recycled and, and sustainable. She's smart, though. Every time her tests come back, you're like, wow. And she tried a youth group one time, but nobody accepted her. Have you ever met Josie? Have you ever met Jose, where his family is new to the country, and they may even be illegal? But... English may be his second language, but he comes from a hard-working family where family is huge in value. He may be the first to go to college in his family. What do we say to Jose? How do we relate to Jose? How do we relate to Josie? Well, first, I would tell Jose that Jesus wasn't a white American. Josie, I would tell her that God is extremely creative and nobody's more green than God. He knows how to recycle and redeem and restore everything better than being recycled or renewed. It makes it brand new as though it was reborn. How do we look at people that we're in relationship with? Or Joe, who comes from a family that has a little bit of drugs or there's crime or they're, they're, they rent and they'll never own anything. And he may have gone in and out of this house or been to his grandmother's. And maybe he even went to church with his grandma and he knows a little something about Jesus. Maybe he's the guy that shows up to your youth group every once in a while, but he lives such a fragmented life, he's not sure where he belongs. 
But some of you, maybe the majority of you, come from some kind of stability and can't relate with that. Are we going to begin to relate with Joe and Jose and Josie? Will we begin to see the others as ourselves? Will we sit compassionately next to another person and say, let me hear your story. I want to join your story. Here's what God does. The power of the gospel is I have friends I never would have normally talked about on this planet. I live in a neighborhood I never would have moved to ever. And I am incredibly blessed that God has taken control and, I've, and I have his vision to seek and save lost. Why? Because point number two is we should have the vision to seek and save the lost. But the number two is our motivation. We should have Jesus' motivation. And if we're identifying in Christ Jesus, our motivation is to please the Father. Not to please ourselves. We're living as servants and citizens of His kingdom. When we commune with Him, we are citizens and there's signs that we're citizen kingdoms by some of the actions and the things that we behave here on this planet. We take communion. We fast. We, we fast. We don't eat until the, every part of our stomach goes... Give me something. We put ourselves in that physical state to remind us of where we're at spiritually. We need and we hunger and thirst for our Savior. We're citizens who want to please the Father. We pray. Maybe we pray on Pacific Standard Time and then Eastern Time and then over in Europe and then going into Russia and over to China and we go around the world and us as citizens, we're praying and it's cascading like water over the throne where we're praying throughout the the. the our time zones and and we're praying let's say we pray every three or four hours and we're praying and there's non-stop but this world is turning around being covered in prayer as God's throne sees that and it's pleasing to God we do peculiar things we're baptized and identified in God but we've got to get in touch with who we are we have to take seriously our ambassadorship being a citizen of God's kingdom we have to care about seeking and saving lost. We have to care about taking the time and the inconvenience of becoming somebody else. Let me ask you again, have you ever thought of somebody that you did not want to think about as your future family member? Do we care about those three teens and the so many more categories I could have made up we must choose to be a gospel community on mission, centered in Jesus Christ, a community centered on Him, and that we're deployed. So here's what we've done, you guys. In our gospel transformation, we've drawn to Christ, and we go, yes, Jesus. And a little bit this week, we've even developed in community. And then we're deployed to culture. We're sent by a missio dei, by a missional God that says, as the Father sent the Son, the Son sent the Holy Spirit. We're sent people. It's not all about, come see what we're doing. Come to our event. Come to our things. Come to us. No, we go, how can I get involved with your community and come alongside of you with the values that you have? And we have common values. Mine are coming from Christ. I'm wanting to please the Father. And you're wanting to please yourself or whatever. Whatever realizations you have. But you walk beside your community. That's the third strategy is that we become them. We serve them. In my community, we had this crusty building 
that people would look at and the neighbors were like, that building's ugly. That church owns that building. I mean, this building was ugh. And finally, we started to think like our neighbor, like the next door neighbor looking at that building right outside of their living room. We're like, this is uncool. I would hate looking at our building. And so we decided to paint it, and we had a paint day, and had all these guys come out, and we painted it. And then with the lot next door, we made a community garden, because that is a word that floats around, that people love to have organic food in our neighborhood. And so we did an organic community garden. We painted the building. Then we had one of the guys from our community make this stainless steel sign called the hub, and he put it up on the door. Then we started attracting artists, believing and unbelieving. And so we have unbelieving artists and believing artists. One of our artists has this thing called Art Seed, where she goes into the schools in the neighborhood, and she comes alongside of art teachers and some of the teachers and takes elementary school kids, and she just did this huge mural in St. John's where we live in Nopo. And on the side of one of the bakeries, they put a whole thing that says, we love St. John's. That's our common ground. We all love St. John's. It didn't have to say... Jesus loves St. John's. We're just going to start with, hey, we're all loving our community, right? We want to be in communication with you. Then from that, we were uh, asked to, to do some Christmas singing at this really funky Charlie Brown ugly Christmas tree in our community where the mayor came out and the mayor's, the gay mayor says, hey, Red Sea, we sure love you. We love your voices. Whether he meant it or not, we're having an interaction. We're with each other in community. And then back to the hub, we decided to put a recording studio in the bottom of the, the, the hub, the building that we were transforming. And we decided, hey, one of our, our next projects coming up is we're going to invite older people in. We're a fairly younger church, so we're going to invite older people in, Christian or not, to come in and tell their stories and record their stories and their legacy so their grandkids can hear their story. We're going to do that with, with what we have. And then we're, we threw a party last year called the Hub and Grub. What it means is to have good hospitality to follow Jesus. To be a gospel community is you also have good hospitality. So brace yourselves. Some of our community drinks beer. And so we actually allowed beer to be at this party. And then we took nine artists from our community and we took nine of their pieces of art and we screen printed them so anybody could bring in there, uh, actually, this event was called No Bones for Halftones. Um, no money for halftone pictures. So they came in, and I could bring this sweater and go, okay, I want that artist's work. And then they would screen that on, a, on something. Somebody brought their pajamas in. Somebody brought a new pack of undies in. And they're screen printing these images of these local artists. And they're hanging out and talking art, and there's music going on. We have a guy that, that um, gets how to draw to Christ and develop in community and deploy to culture. So part of his, in our building, he has a piano studio. So part of his job to be on mission is to give free lessons to the culture, to allow some of the kids to, to have it for free. You know I can go on and on, don't you? 25, 50 stories of how me as a pastor doesn't have to do it all, how me when I was a youth pastor, I don't have to do it all, how Jesus lifts up from death, his people identify with him as citizens, and they get pushed out, and the leaders are getting underneath your visions. And pastors sometimes go, oh, that's a really cool idea, I want to do that idea. No, our job is to 
get behind what God's doing in you guys. And so today, at the end here, we want to get behind you and commission you to go out and to be who you are and to be next to your neighbor and to consider them as family and to see if you're compassionate. Here's the image in my head. You ever see, yesterday, a, a building blew up in Detroit, Michigan. It's a furniture store. It totally blew up. And the first thing you see is all these, these uh, firefighters. And sometimes if a lot of people have been hurt, like overseas with an earthquake or something, you'll see the Red Cross come around with tents. And you look at those pictures and you're like, oh, help has arrived. The rescue team is there. With the spiritual earthquakes, with the spiritual explosions, with the spiritual floods of people's lives, we're the rescue team that God has sent. And so instead of all these tents, which actually, ironically enough, Paul says that he compares our life because it's temporary to a tent. But can you imagine in your high schools, in your families, in your communities, in your neighborhoods, that when somebody gets laid out, that a bunch of people arrive? And they don't turn their back to that person. They arrive and they say, do you need shelter? Come in here. Do you need love? Come in here. Do you need understanding? Come in here. And we go, well, no, no, that person's a Muslim. I'm not going to do that. They, they wouldn't receive what I have for them. Uh, you know what? She's the one who started the gay and lesbian transgender club at high school. I can't. That's not cool. I, it, it, no, that's not what God's saying. Remember, the gospel's bigger than any circumstance, any variable. The question is, will we be the dynamic people that are so grateful and so thankful and have had such a cardiac arrest that nothing pouring out of our heart but thankfulness? Understanding the grace that we got to be as sinners. And let me ask you, did God send somebody to you and tell you the story? How's the rescue team working? Since it started with 12, one committing suicide and 11 disciples, I think it's working. I think Jesus' vision, his motivation, and his strategy is working. It's to send you. And will we surround people, not the Red Cross, but will the citizens of the kingdom of Jesus Christ be engaged in culture and not condemning culture? Jesus didn't come to condemn, right? Kevin said that yesterday. He said, what's John 3.17? It's telling us some of our methodology. We're here to chill with people and love them and become like them in the ways that are not compromising to the gospel, but in ways that we can reach them and have compassion and love them. Do you want to do that? You scared of that? It's hard. It's already working. Okay, so I want to back up to Holy Huggy. Isaac, I'd like you to come up here. I want to welcome you to the family. I'm stoked for you. Thanks. Love you, buddy. Is there anybody else like Isaac? Is there anybody else in the room who came to Christ for the very first time?
Welcome to the family. Oh, welcome to the family. Did one of you come to Christ? Welcome. Welcome. Does anybody else want to join the family? How about all you guys move over here? Stay standing and stay clapping. Come on over here. Hey, what do you say a couple of you uh, give some holy hugs? You don't have to give holy kisses, just holy huggies. They can be Christian correct. They can, you can bump the hip, too, like this. But uh, let's celebrate these guys and welcome them into the family. And you think a stranger's hugging you, but you're going to really get to know them in eternity. It's a long time you'll spend with each other. So uh, we'll know each other, I'm really certain. I'm not sure if the power of the cross is at act here. Is the gospel still alive? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, I think Jesus still is king. There is a lot of hugging. I mean, I know some of you are like, I'm not the hugging type. That's okay. Stay there. But if you want to join, keep come on in. Hey, yeah, this is killer. Okay, you can sit down for a sec, you guys out there, because I want you to have a clearer look at what's happening, actually. That's what the gospel looks like in your communities, is embracing people for who they are, where they're at. Remember the grace, Huey and Louie, the cop gave his mini-sermon at the end? Freaking grace. Grace means that there's space for everybody to come in and be embraced. And when Jesus comes out of the water and the Father says, this is my son, Check him out. He's king. Come into his kingdom and watch how he brings you into the kingdom. And now we're citizens, you guys. And we, we're on one nation under him. It's not American. This is all the world that he's called to himself that he died for. Okay? So let's remember to embrace whoever it is that God places in front of us. And I will guarantee you the person will be annoying. Yeah, because they need Jesus, and you still need Jesus. You need Jesus every day. You know what a sign of mature Christianity is? Is realizing how much more you need Jesus every day. And at a given time, a mature Christian will be able to tell you, I need him here, here, and here. I know where my, my dookie unicorn, reverse unicorn is at all times. I know how I stink, Okay. Let's be aware of that as we're approaching our world. And let's be humble because we're very aware that we stink before a holy God, but that he loves us anyway and cleans us up. And we can come before him confidently and, and relate with him. And we can relate to each other. And then we can relate to this world. Okay? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you. 
We love you so much. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for just confirming who we are, that you've connected us to the Holy of Holies, that you've guaranteed our salvation, that this isn't going away, that nobody's taking us out of the Father's hand, that his divine will and the Son who shows us divine reality, that reality can be transformed and changed and even mesmerizing. Holy Spirit, we thank you for the power you bring. We thank you for the vehicle of relationship. We just ask that there be more love and forgiveness. Forgiveness, the power of forgiveness where we say, that's cool. Seven times, 70 times. No worries. I'm with you. I love you. Maybe there's boundaries with our friends. There's boundaries with community. There's, there's slight limits and subtleties as to how we become them and live in the culture without forsaking and selling our souls? Show us, Lord, it's really messy. But Lord, it's so messy that it spills out into a redeemed mess when there's a whole bunch of people here hugging and people are coming to Christ. It's messy. We learned about that, Lord. You do that over and over. You allow even some things to be messy and bad and suffering, but suffering gives birth to joy, just like human birth and rebirth, certainly, as you described in John. We love you, Lord. We thank you so much that we got to be here. We thank you for this week. We thank you we get to leave here and not forget these things, but to put them in play. To say, and to ask ourselves hard questions. How are we not living the gospel? How are we a cheesy little club? How are we not allowing people to, to come into us? And why are we not sent? Why do we meet all the time in the church? Why don't we meet in the park? Why don't we meet out in the coffee shop? and not be geeky or unapproachable, that we would love people. Help us, God. We need you. We can't do it. And the truth is we don't want to do it. Our flesh says, no, sleep another hour. Our flesh says, no, don't be prepared. Don't read your Bible. Our flesh says, more TV, more movies, more music, more games. And God, our spirit says, no, feed me. Feed me on Jesus, the bread of life. So God, help us to live more abundantly. We love you so very much, and we're so very grateful. We pray for safe trips. We pray for uh, your power to just uplift. Remember, life, love, and lift, that you would just move us out into our culture. And you know, Lord, we know that Satan's waiting to punch our face when we leave here. We know that you're hedging this place and we know that your, your, your army of angels is, is pushing all of that back right now. This is holy ground now. This is where love abounds. This is that conduit community where you pour in your power and then it goes right through us. But Lord, we know when we get home to Lebanon, when we get home, Lord, to Eugene and, and all over the state and up in Washington, Lord, we know that Satan wants to make us believe it never happened. So Lord, help us to be in bond and union with each other so we can call each other, text each other and say, did that happen? Because I'm losing my mind here. Satan's all over me. Or my sin is trying to pry me down and rob me again. And so Lord Jesus, I ask that you would protect these sheep, your lambs. They call me pastor, but I'm not a pastor. You're the only pastor. You're the lead pastor. You're our pastor. You're our teacher. You're our protector. You're our refuge. And we love you, Jesus, and we thank you for dying on the cross so we could be reconciled to you, so we could have peace. 
We love you and we thank you. And we welcome our new brothers and sisters. Thank you for calling them during this time so we could meet them, so we could see them, so we could be encouraged, Lord. You did it for us too. And so we just thank you that, that these guys will live for eternity. We just ask, Lord, that you would connect them into your community. In Christ's name we pray.